The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Tyler Aki, my basketball guy. Welcome back. You are uh, you're leading the uh, recurring guest trend, which is awesome. So yeah, it's good to have you back. March Madness, it's our time, your time for sure. So I know you're happy. Yeah, no, this is the best time of the year. My favorite time of year. Very, very happy to be back with you, Will. Appreciate uh, the kind words and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm ready for March, man. I mean, I, I've been ready now for over 700 days, and right, and we're finally here. Yeah, exactly. After last year, I am so psyched up for it. So we'll get right to it. So very simple, I guess, relatively say, <laughs> relatively. But uh, I was curious to get your kind of your breakdown of how you see each region kind of playing out right on down to the final four and the national championship. So you can kind of start whichever side of the bracket you want. But what are you kind of thinking so far as these uh, as this bracket plays out? I find a couple of things interesting. Certainly. The West is, I, I was surprised by one thing with the West. When you look at the top four seeds in the West, that's the one headed by Gonzaga. They have, those top four seeds, Gonzaga's played all of them. So everyone talks about how, oh, like, is Gonzaga going to stumble up because it's that one and done format. They're going to play against a team like Kansas, Virginia, or, or Iowa, and they've killed all of them so far this year. I know they, they played them all the way back in November and December, but they probably saw their region and were like, this is just our non-conference schedule. So I think that familiarity aspect, a lot of people want to count out Gonzaga, say it's so tough to be an undefeated team, but I think that familiarity aspect is really going to help them out. Yeah. Do you think that there's any chance, I mean, I'm sure there's, a, there's always a chance, but do you see any of these teams even having a chance to really knock out Gonzaga or is it basically smooth sailing all the way to the final four? I think it should be pretty, no, I won't say easy, but the, the one, here's the one little pause I have is if they end up playing Iowa. And again, Iowa is one of those teams who I think can still lose to anyone in the country, but with Iowa, their defense is much better than it was when they faced Gonzaga back. in I believe it was December. Their defense is now playing like a top 20 level defense. Back when they played Gonzaga, they were playing at more of like a top 90, top 100 level defense. So if they can bring that defensive intensity and still have it for a potential Elite Eight matchup, then I think they could give Iowa or they could give Gonzaga a little bit of trouble. But I still think that Gonzaga is just shoulders ahead of everyone else in the field right now. Is there any specific teams maybe on the West side that you're thinking could be that upset potential or like a team to watch? Yeah, and, and you're going to laugh when I say it, but it's USC. I really do think Shout that, out Chris Black. Um, fight on. Shout out Chris Black. But I think that everything sets up really well for USC for a number of reasons. First of all, they're going to get the weakest first four game winner in terms of the 11 seeds. So I think that sets up nicely yeah. for them. Kansas is having COVID difficulties right now. They may be without their big man. And USC is headed by Evan Mobley, who's probably going to be a top five or so pick in the NBA draft. So that helps them out in that regard. Then if they were to face Iowa in the Sweet 16, 
the one little thing that has troubled Iowa this year is when they go up against NBA caliber bigs like Kofi Coburn, like the guys that Gonzaga had. All of those are NBA caliber guys, and they have given Gonzaga fits because what do they do? They can get Luca Garza in foul trouble. And if you're cutting the head off of this Hawkeye, then you're going to be in trouble. So I look at can Evan Mobley get a Luca Garza in foul trouble because Luca Garza's backup center, Jack Nungy, is out for the season now. So they don't have much after Luca Garza in terms of the star power. They still have solid players. Like Joe Wieskamp is probably their best NBA prospect. But I still look at if Evan Mobley can wreak havoc on Iowa and get Garza in foul trouble, like we've seen a number of these NBA caliber bigs do against Gonzaga, watch out for the Trojans. I don't think they'll end up beating Gonzaga, but I think they're a sneaky team to get to the Elite Eight. Do you think that uh, Virginia's season ends to Gonzaga, or are they getting tripped up before then? (laughs) Well, everyone likes to look at that Ohio matchup, and I think that even though Ohio has a really good guard in Jason Preston, he was fantastic against Illinois earlier in the season. I think he had like 30-something points against Illinois when Ohio nearly took down the fighting Illini in that first week of the season. But Preston's a name to know for Ohio, but as for Virginia... I mean, they may not even make it into the tournament. That's the big question for them right now is, are they going to pass through all the COVID protocols and end up even playing in the NCAA tournament? Because remember, not only do they have a a COVID flare-up within their program, but it's also a player who played in that ACC tournament game against Syracuse, and they don't go very deep. Virginia only plays seven or eight guys. So as a result of that, They will be losing, or not losing, but they could be without or with a lessened key piece. And I think that could hurt them in that Ohio matchup. But I'm not really, I still think Virginia has enough to get to the Sweet 16 and face Gonzaga. Listen, everyone wants to kind of pin them like that Virginia team from a couple years ago or even three years ago, the one that ended up losing to UMBC but was still a really good group. This is still a good Virginia team, but they're right. just like a B plus Virginia team. They're a little off, yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which like they're not bad, but they're just B plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, the expectations of bars so high for Virginia, it just feels like it's missing something. When really, it's just it's hard to be that great every year. But uh, on the on the East side, so Michigan's the one seed. Uh, is that the team that you're thinking goes all the way to the Final Four, or what do you think uh, might shake out on the East side? I've got actually, uh, this is where I've got the most chaos happening. I think this is going to be the, the weirdest region. This is what I like to call the red region, where you, you go back, you look at your bracket when it's all done and, and the tournament's over, and you see a lot of red here. And part of the reason why I think that is because any one of the top four, I would actually even stretch it out to five seeds. And, and I'll throw one more sleeper in there that could potentially make it out of here. But I think there are six teams that could make it out of this bracket. It's the top five seeds, and then I'll also throw in UConn as another potential team that I think can make it out of this East region. It's wide open in my eyes. Michigan's dealing with an injury problem with Isaiah Livers. He's the, the, the Michigan's a good three-point shooting team, but a lot of that has to do with Livers. He's the only guy on the squad who's attempted more than 100 three-pointers this season. So, And he shoots them at about 40% too. So when they, if they lose livers for an extended period of time, I think that's really going to hurt them and could knock their chances of being a Final Four team. 
But the team that I really like out of this region is Texas. Mm. They've got three bigs that they can cycle in, and they're all the same type of big. Long, athletic, can rim run. I really like Texas to come out of this region. And a big reason why is Alabama has struggled against bigs. Michigan, if they have someone who can go blow for blow with Hunter Dickinson, I think they could struggle a little bit too. You look at what happened in in the AC or the the Big Ten tournament, and even in the Big Ten regular season, you saw the, um, Minnesota had a really good big. You look at Illinois with Kofi Coburn; he, they they crushed Michigan, and it was a lot, largely because of what Kofi was able to do. And then on top of that, in the the Big Ten tournament, and EJ Liddell, so they have struggled against some bigs. And Texas has three of them. So I look at that, and I think Texas is a, a great trendy pick. Not, or I shouldn't say trendy pick, but a great under-the-radar pick to make it to the Final Four out of this region. But also don't sleep on UConn. I know they're a seven seed, but when things get weird, it usually goes weird and, and it helps out UConn. And they've got James Booknight. They're kind of a one-man army right now. But James Booknight is a man to watch out for, a guy who can really elevate his NBA draft stock. The reason why UConn's a seven seed right now is because Booknight missed the bulk of the Big East season. He came back, and even though they ended up losing early in the, the Big East tournament, I still think that UConn is a team that can make some noise in the NCAA tournament, and Booknight can be almost that Shabazz Napier or Kemba Walker guy who leads them on a deeper run than anticipated. Yeah, I think uh, wasn't UConn a seven seed when they won it all? Uh, it was yeah, they were like an eight or a nine seed. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah exactly. it was weird. Yeah, when they plays Kentucky in that game, when things get weird, it helps <laughs> out UConn. That that's the yeah. mo- uh, the moral of the story. And in Texas, has been waiting for this kind of thing with uh, with Shaka Smart down there. Yeah. So they're mm-hmm. definitely trying to make a run. So on the south side of the region or the bracket rather, so Baylor is the number one. Uh, it's weird, I guess, seeing North Carolina as an eight seed. I'm just so used to seeing them mm-hmm. so high up. Obviously, they haven't been great, but yeah. Uh, I was kind of surprised at Ohio State being a two seed, to be honest. I was, I don't think I'm necessarily surprised. Listen, they closed out the, yeah. the Big Ten yeah. regular season as cold as you can. They lost their final four games, but right. when you look at the teams they lost to, it great was teams. Michigan. It was Iowa, it was Illinois, and it was as hot as can be Michigan State when they were ripping through top 10 wins at the time. So, yes, but Ohio State played very well in the Big Ten tournament. Now, a lot of games were close. Even their their largest margin of victory was nine, but that game still went to overtime. They played a lot of close games, but they played really well in that Big Ten tournament. And I feel like that's the momentum they want to carry through now. I think there's a chance that they can make a a significant run sweet 16 maybe elite eight here i don't know if they'll ultimately have enough to get to the final four but ohio state's a a team that i would at least keep my eye on to to win a couple games i know that's not really anything that bold because they are the number two seed in the the region but i i look at ohio state i still kind of like them i don't think they have that star power pop but watch out for a guy like I could see Seth Towns or even a guy like Michi Johnson, guys who haven't contributed a whole heck of a lot for them during the regular season. If they can really put together a strong performance through these first couple of rounds, watch for them to to maybe step up and play a big role. And also, what's going to happen if Kyle Young can't go right away? He, He got hit with, I believe it was a concussion earlier and and missed a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament. And Ohio State still played well without him. So if they get Kyle Young back, and he's one of their, if not their best player, if they get him back, 
then watch out because he he is super important to what they want to do. He, he's probably not their best player, but he is maybe their most important player. And uh, did you have Baylor rep in the uh, South region? I do have Baylor, yes. I, I know they didn't go out and win the Big 12, but and some people have said, oh, they, they look a little slow. And yes, they looked really slow out of their COVID pause. But I think once they started to, to pick it up a little bit, once they figured things out, they, they looked really good to close out the season. So um, the last region, the Midwest, Illinois, of course, is the one. Uh, I know it's everyone's hyped up out in your area. So is Illinois your team to uh, represent the Midwest, or do you see some big upsets happening out there? I find this Midwest region to be the weakest of all of them that, that I look at. But I, I do like Illinois to come out and win the Midwest region here. There's one thing that's holding me back from being all in on Illinois this year, and it's tournament experience. Mm. They don't have a lot of it. And they're going to have – it's funny too because they could have the most amount of storylines too, like in terms of big overarching stories once they once the rounds really start to mean something. Like I don't think this 116 matchup – we're not going to see a, a Virginia-UMBC this year. But if they play Loyola-Chicago, it's that battle for supremacy in, in Illinois. If they play Oklahoma State, Brad Underwood was a, a coach on that Oklahoma State staff before he came to Illinois. If they they get deeper and deeper, I I think that they they're going to face the most media noise. I feel like for the entirety of their region, how are they equipped to handle it? I think they're pretty well equipped to handle it. You've got Io, who's a, a great vet. You've got Kofi. He came back for a second season, and they're also a team that's hungry because. They felt like they were robbed a season ago of maybe making a, a deep run and having a, a really, really strong close to, to the season. And then they brought everything back heading into this year. And it's, it's full steams ahead. It's going to be, what can you get out of Andre Curbelo off the bench? He's been fantastic. But can he handle the bright lights of the NCAA tournament? I personally think he can. And Trent Frazier, this is a guy who's trying to really revitalize. I mean, he came in and he was the best player on some of those early Illinois teams that he was a part of. And now he's kind of taken a backseat. I think he's graciously taken a backseat and that's been really good to me. I look at Illinois and Trent Frazier reminds me a lot of Dante DiVincenzo in a way because DiVincenzo, he came off the bench for Villanova while Frazier starts, but there were games where Villanova on that, what was that? 2018 winning team, they would go through some patches and looked really bad. But there was always one guy who kind of kept the ship afloat for a little bit, just enough to keep him hanging around, and it was Dante DiVincenzo. I see the same thing out of Trent Frazier. There are times where Illinois doesn't look great, but Frazier keeps him around with some big threes from time to time, and then he'll take a back seat when Io and Kofi start playing well in the second half, and that's ultimately what brings Illinois a victory. So I, I, I think Trent Frazier, the way that he has matured and handled his role and the way that it's changed, usually you, when you're a freshman, if you're one of the stars as a freshman, you're going to be a star for four years. But what Trent has done is he was a star as a freshman, but his role has gotten significantly, I don't want to say a demotion, but that's kind of what it's been like. He's not the quote-unquote star. He is option three, four, maybe even five on some nights on this Illinois team. So um, your final four then ends up being, it was Gonzaga, it was Texas, right? Baylor yep. and Illinois. Yes, so yep. what 
is the national championship in outcome? So I like Gonzaga to go to the national championship. I like Baylor to also go to the national championship. And it feels fitting because the entire tournament is being played in Indianapolis. Baylor and Gonzaga were scheduled to play each other in oh, yeah. Indianapolis right. back in December. And it feels like this is the college basketball gods shining upon everyone, giving everyone the matchup that they wanted way back in December and say, you know what? Patience is a virtue. It was all worth the wait. And now you have Baylor-Gonzaga, a national championship game that I believe Gonzaga will go out and win. How much do you think they win by? I think it'll be a very good game because if Baylor's getting there, it'll mean their defense is back to what it was when they were just crushing teams. And I mean, they went until they had went on the COVID pause, they had not won a game by fewer than eight points, which is remarkable, especially while playing in the Big 12 as well. So I think it'll be a good game. I think Gonzaga will ultimately end up winning probably by six or seven, if I had to guess. But we've seen this shake out in the pandemic seasons across all sports, really. The best teams have won. Like, think about college football. Alabama won. The NBA, the Lakers won. MLB, the Dodgers won. I guess you can make the lone exception for the NFL, but if you told me that the Chiefs had to play a full season with uh, without some of those offensive linemen i think you could have made the case that maybe the bucks were the best team so it's one of those things where i look at what have we learned from the pandemic seasons across all sports the best teams have won gonzaga has no doubt been the best team this season i know it's extremely difficult to go undefeated wire to wire but if there's one team and one situation that i think it can be done in it is gonzaga during this pandemic season also, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they were always coming Tampa close. Bay Lightning, yes. Mm-hmm. It was like a Gonzaga similarity there as well because Gonzaga has been so close and then obviously would have fallen short. So I was you kind of alluded to it before. Uh, if Virginia even makes it in due to the COVID factor, do you, Kansas, same boat. Do you think any teams ultimately will not, in your mind, be playing due to COVID situation arising? You bring up a great point there. And... Here, here's where I sit on it. We've made it this far. We've seen really only two flare-ups, and that is within Kansas and within Virginia. But what has history shown us in this in these pandemic seasons is that you're probably going to run into problems. So if I had to guess, yes, we will probably see something come up at some point. Am I praying to the to the stars and the heavens every single night that we don't? Yes, I I would love to see. I think they have the perfect field of 68 here. I know there's some people that are chirping about Louisville and maybe some of those Mountain West teams. I think the best 68 teams in terms of the the, the auto qualifiers as well as the at-large, they have this right. And I want to see these 68 teams duke Mm -hmm. it out in Indy. So I feel like this is the least amount of of fan base i guess louisville's very upset but i mean louisville was awful to close out the season i don't think they deserve to be i think this is the perfect 68 team field and they didn't get anything wrong maybe you could shuffle around some team seedings but that's my really only qualm with the field that we've got right now so i think they got it right and i'd love to see these 68 teams do it but at the end of the day what has history shown us (laughs) the the best plan is to not have a plan this year and I think that uh, we probably will see one of these teams get in, um, but 
I'm praying we don't. I'm praying we don't because I really like the 68 team field. Yeah, well, the very last thing is we, we uh, shouted out Blex Trojans. We have to <laughs> mention Oats Boats, Bama. They're going to try to make that run to the Final Four. Yes, Real sir. fast, Syracuse. I know you're not thinking Final Four, obviously, but do they get out of that first round against San Diego State? How far do you think they might be able to go? All right, so my gut told me yesterday, and I think I tweeted this out, I hate the draw. I hate right, the right. draw. I, yeah. I think that this is awful. I think San Diego State is being severely underseeded. I think they're playing more like a five or a four seed to close out the season. They won their last 14 games in a league. Like you can say, oh, well, it was the Mountain West. The Mountain West had almost four, there were four teams in contention heading into the final week, or five teams, I should say, in contention, I believe, heading into the the conference tournament. So there was a chance that we could have seen a lot of Mountain West, almost as many Mountain West teams as we saw, as we saw Pac-12 teams. Yep. So I don't like the draw, but then I slept on it. <laughs> and I'm starting to talk myself into the fact that Syracuse could maybe go to the Sweet 16. There you go. This feels like a Bayheim middle finger run. <laughs> and we've seen a couple of those lately. But yep. this feels like a Bayheim middle finger run. San Diego State's coach came out and said the other day, or yesterday, that they have not played against a 2-3 zone all season long. And if you don't know how to play against a 2-3 zone, you're going to have trouble. I I, I kind of think Syracuse and, and San Diego State also plays a, a pack line defense a la Virginia. Yeah. And we saw Syracuse have a lot of success against a pack line defense, even though they didn't end up winning that game against Virginia. But I don't think San Diego State's offense is nearly what Virginia's is. So... I've started to talk myself into Syracuse can win that game. And then Jim Beheim just owns Bob Huggins. So if they end up playing West Virginia, I mean, he's five and one against Huggins against the Huggy bear ever since he joined (laughs) West Virginia. And if they play more head state, they'll probably be more head state. So I've talked myself into it officially. I put a stamp on it. Syracuse is going to sweet 16. You've heard it here first. The uh, orange man, they're going to flick their way on through to the uh, Sweet 16 at least. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all I pretty much had for you. The very last note, I was just, I didn't get to it, but uh, the last note, I was thinking like with Florida State, for whatever reason, I saw something on the, on the bottom line of ESPN last week against Notre Dame, and it looked like they're 16-6 and six overall on the season going into the tournament, but they have four losses on the road. And I was like, I wonder if Florida State, this might be a lot of different teams like this, but I was mm-hmm. like, is Florida State susceptible to getting upset on the uh, you know in a neutral court just because they haven't, I don't know, they've, they've only yeah. lost one game at home all year. but No, yeah, that, that's a perfectly valid point. They, they have not had a lot of road games. I know you mentioned they, they've lost four on the road, but... If you look through their schedule, they had a lot of COVID games canceled on the road. It was just a strange coincidence that they all happened to be on the road. Yeah. So they are a team, watch out, because they could get upset. But when they're at their best, they're also a team that could go to the Final Four. So I, it's it's been tough for me to get a gauge on, on Florida State. Ultimately, I, I pride myself on being a member of the Ham fam. I love Leonard Hamilton. I think that they, they're a really good team, and they bring size mismatches too. Um, but again, could they lose to UNC Greensboro? Absolutely. UNC Greensboro, I mean, if you ask a Tar Heel fan after the right game, they'll say they want Wes Miller as their next head coach instead of Roy Williams. So <laughs> UNC Greensboro, here's what I'll say about them. We always see the co- – like you have to find like your Porter Moser, Andy Enfield candidate of the guy who can go out and end up making the leap as as a result of how their team performs in March Madness. UNC Greensboro 
has that with Wes Miller. And he's on a lot of teams' radars now. I know a lot of firings happened today. He's on a lot of teams' radars. So that's the way that I see them beating them is if Wes Miller puts together a really good game plan, and I think he could. But Florida State's obviously the better team. They're the deeper team. They're the fresher team. Again, their their players don't play much more than 20 to 24 minutes a game. Whereas you look across the other teams in this tournament, most of them are playing 30, 33 minutes a game. Florida State's best player plays like 22 minutes a game. So they're going to be fresh heading into this tournament. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are. Tyler, thanks again for making some time. It's always good to uh, get your expertise. Thanks so much, Will. Really appreciate it. 